Hey, Sparkles, you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. This is David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 Chicago and NBC Sports Chicago. Take that. Rhino, this is a big week for the Friendly Confines. We had we had our week two of our TV show. We're we're also in the studio giving the podcast. We are, I think, are we on the cusp of like a media empire here? We're becoming moguls, Chad. I think that's just the safest thing we can say at this point. If you are interested in hearing or talking about the Cubs, we're now the go-to for any sort of platform that's out there. Yeah, look out Barstool, look out uh, Bill Simmons and and uh, your Ringer Network or whatever that thing's called. We're coming at you. But first, we're coming at you with a fun show. So the Cubbies uh, are struggling uh, again. Um, they can't seem to find a way to win consistently away from Wrigley. We're going to talk about that, talk about their struggles um, batting and then also batting with runners in scoring position. And we're going to talk about the, the biggest elephant in the room, which is the injuries. So many injuries to this team. It's amazing that they actually have went on a bit of a winning streak over the last week and a half. That's right. And we're also going to talk with Michelle Margot, our old friend, Chad, who used to work in San Diego. Well, now she's part of the SNY network up in New York. She's moving up in the world and she's still giving us the time of day. So we want to talk to her about what changes we are seeing in baseball. So it is about time to start the friendly confines. Stick around. It's starting right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. And Chad, let's start as we always do in the first inning. And, you know, we seem to be very joyful when the Cubs win baseball games. And, of course, when they lose, it's just the complete opposite effect. And most of those wins, Chad, it appears are happening at the friendly confines when they're beating teams at Wrigley Field. But you can't say the same for when this club leaves Wrigley Field. I feel like a broken record saying this because it seems like this has been the theme at least the past few years. The Cubs just cannot win as well as they are when they're at home versus on the road. What do you make of just the complete role reversal of a team that looks so great at home and very, very uh, just average or below average for that matter on the road? I don't understand it. I, I, I really, you look at it and you think, well, this is, this is a team that, that uh, they've got the same players in both places, but they, I mean, they've won four out of 15 games on the road. That's, that's a horrible clip. If, 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 if this team just played their games at Wrigley field, they'd have one of the best winning percentages in baseball. They'd be about a, a six, six twenty team. And so I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if the team hasn't figured out, you know, a routine on the road and they're not as focused. Are they getting out and having fun? I mean, I, I think about that for just a second. I don't, I have no proof about this, but this is their first time out and about with COVID. Are they, are they out there, you know, burning the midnight oil? I have no idea. I just know if you go four out of 15, four wins out of 15, and you average that for the rest of the season, this team is going to be punting by the end of June. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a COVID thing because, I mean, this is something we've been seeing since 2019, right? I mean, this is a team that continuously just, you know, Madden was perplexed by it when he was the manager. And now David Ross is, you know, probably in the same boat saying to himself, why aren't we able to have the same sort of comfort level at home than we are on the road? I mean, I understand that when you're a home team and you have your routine and you sleep in your own bed and you're coming to the ballpark and you understand 
kind of the layout of your home ballpark that they do at Wrigley. Yes, that that is an advantage. But at the end of the day, it's still 90 feet to first base. It's still 60 feet from the mound to home plate. So I'm not quite understanding where the disconnect is because they are just not comfortable when they're playing on the road right now. And I mean, they got to figure it out because as you said, if they don't, and this averages out over the entire year, like you said, they're going to be long out of contention at that point. So it's certainly something to be concerned about and hopefully they can right the ship and and get things started um, with, you know, a, a big road trip before they come back. Uh, to Wrigley and and face off against Washington. Yeah, I mean we're we're yeah, I mean we're they played six more games at Wrigley and just think how bad their record would be if this this trend continues. One thing I did find interesting, Ryan, they are ten and ten. They're five hundred against teams over five hundred. But what that means is they're seven uh, seven out of uh, out of nineteen. They're they're the seven wins and nine losses against teams under five hundred. So yeah. this team is so perplexing, so uneven. And another one of the struggles that we've seen. We'll move on to the second inning. Is you're not imagining it, everybody. This team is struggling with runners in scoring position. It it seems to be the 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 tail of the tape. That seems to be the the story uh, and the highlight reel when the Cubs don't win. That they leave a whole bunch of uh, runners in scoring position. A lot of double plays. Um, we saw that here against the Indians. Why do you think this is happening? You know, I mean, this is, again, like it goes back to kind of the offense being that feast or famine sort of uh, ball club that you've been talking about as well. I mean, they left 15 players on base in the second game against Cleveland, Chad. And, I mean, going one for 15, uh, that's just, to me, it's just, it's just rough. To, to see that you, it really is. And another thing to keep in mind is the Cubs ranked 20th in major league baseball out of 30 teams, averaging 3.5 runners left on base per game. So it, it really is something to, to kind of like, just look at and, and say, all right, this is, this is another trend. You know, they were, they were one for 15 on uh, Tuesday or excuse me, Wednesday against the Indians. And then on Tuesday, they were one for 12. So, I mean, just, ugly when it comes to missing the uh, these opportunities of of players that they could be driving home and scoring runs and yet we're not getting that opportunity because that's ultimately what's going to win or lose games for you is you know are you able to drive guys home when they're on base and right now we're not seeing that what about you I, you know, it, it's I want to just share the whole Indian series. This is a two game set and, and everybody was so excited about being back in Cleveland on a Tuesday and Wednesday because the historical implications. But it was rough. You talked about just the Wednesday game, but in the two game series, they were two for 27 with runners in scoring position. They stranded 25 base runners in those two games. You can't do that and expect to win. What what is interesting, these were not blowouts. These were not rough wins. These were these were games that you wonder how well this team would have played if they were at full force. You know, there have been a tremendous amount of injuries. We're going to talk about that in the next inning, but this is this is a team that uh, I don't I, you know, does it make something shift in their head where oh, there's people in uh, in in scoring position, you know, like JD JD says, you know, the mindset here is is hit the ball out of the bar, ballpark. I mean, that might be the mindset 
asset. And we're seeing a lot more swing and miss, not only with the Chicago Cubs, but the batting averages um, for the league, league average, we'll talk about that in a little bit, are, are really way down overall. And the Cubs are just, they're buying right into that. And lots of swing and miss, you know, not a lot of people generating, moving the runners around, you know, those big time hits are coming in few and far between. But what I do find very interesting on this, this recent losing uh, streak that the, the, the team is on, uh, they have been close in all these games and they've had a lot of struggles with injuries. So hopefully this is something they can come out of, but it's, it's, it's a problem up and down the order. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And then you mentioned the injuries as we move on to the third inning, one of the big ones, of course, Chris Bryant did not play in the game on Wednesday against Cleveland. Um, he left the field after, you know, getting hit with a fastball on the left wrist, which is continuing to just be a problem overall in Major League Baseball, Chad. We're seeing a lot of players getting hit by pitches this year. Um, just a lot of control problems by pitchers overall, I think, in the game right now. And, and you know, when these guys are throwing close to 100 miles per hour, I mean, it, it's just going to get harder and harder for some of these guys to recover. Um, and Brian, of course, easily the best player on the team right now. So, you know, a huge loss for the Cubs. And then in addition, you're talking about Javi Baez, who was banged up, although, you know, he is back in the lineup. And then Jason Hayward, who was banged up, but he's back in the lineup. And of course, we mentioned, you know, Nico Horner and Ian Happ and, you know, some of these other players that are obviously, um, you know, seeing seeing the sidelines right now. So uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned. What do you uh, certainly hope for? Because in my opinion, the more injuries you get, you know, the harder it is to continue to play uh, continuously and, and have that continuity in your lineup. What, what do you think? There's light coming. And, you know, there's hope that Nico's going to be back on Friday um, with his left forearm issue. There's hope that Jake's going to be back on Friday as well and actually be able to start when the, the you know, when the Cubs open their series in Detroit. We're recording this on Wednesday, obviously. Uh, but he did. Uh, Jake threw a bullpen on a bullpen session on Wednesday. They expect him to be back and, and off the list. So I, I, it gives me hope in some way because this team with the start of the injury situation last week, this team was already depleted by injuries and they went on their run and they had that nice, nice little winning streak. And now I guess when I say it gives me hope, you look at the loss Sunday, you look at the loss Tuesday and Wednesday, those were winnable games. Those were not blowouts. The team was not overmatched. The team didn't look like it didn't deserve to be on the field. Some of the starting pitching was really coming into its own. So my hope is, as the, as the guys come back, as you get your number two starter back, um, there's a chance that this team actually is starting to gel and with all the best players on the field, because granted the team hasn't had the best players on the field the last week and a half. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, that has been the nice thing is while they're not really putting up big numbers offensively, they're, the pitching has kept them in these games. And of course, you know, you want to be able to be at full strength. But as we've said on this program before, the bench has actually been really solid. And, you know, we talked about injuries, obviously, Jake Marisnik, another guy who was coming off the bench and playing extremely well. But, you know, guys like Eric Sogard and, of course, Matt Duffy, who, you know, in my opinion, I mean, you might want to consider just putting him at third base every day now. I mean, the guy's really become, you know, a very reliable player for this team. Um, so, you know, again, you never want to see your starters on the sidelines because they're the ones that are your bread and butter and are ultimately going to decide how many wins and losses you're going to have throughout the year. Um, but the good thing is, Chad, is none of these injuries, at least for me, seem like these are long-term things, maybe 10 days. Maybe they're just out a few games here or there. They're more nicked up than anything else. So it gives me hope 
that we're going to see this team at full strength uh, very, very soon. And everybody will be back in action uh, before you know it. Look at you. I don't think you've ever said gives me hope. That's my line. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Optimism shining through from. Uh, so so to hear that, listeners, Ryan Lieber has hope. I'm excited. You must have said it enough times for where now I finally actually believe it. Maybe. Yeah, I that, thought that I trade me. With I, thought, I thought I'm the only one with hope on this podcast. Yeah. So. All right, well, let's move on to the fourth inning. And we, we talked about uh, the issues with runners in scoring position. And we're actually going to talk about Jock Peterson, which has been a huge bright spot in the last couple of weeks. But going into, I think it was Wednesday's game, um, he was on an 0 for 18 skid with runners in scoring position, which basically means he was garbage when he we when this team needed him most. But if you look at Jock's, he snapped that in the sixth inning. When you look at Jock's stats, he's almost up to 250, and he still hasn't shown the power we saw and we expect out of out of him. Um, and, and as I said uh, on our our uh, uh, studio show that we went live at uh, on all platforms on on uh, on Monday, averages are averages for a reason. So I think we're going to start to see his batting average continue to tick up, and I think we're going to see his power numbers hit hopefully so as well. But what do you think about Jock Peterson? This resurgence much needed, right? Much needed, right? Because as you, as you said uh, so eloquently when we did our um, webcast on Monday night, he was Babe Ruth in spring training. I mean, this was a guy who looked every bit the part, and we really thought this was going to be a guy who was going to, you know, spell relief for this outfield and, and provide speed and defense. And, you know, we weren't going to worry about missing Kyle Schwarber anymore. And then he just got off to that dreadful start. How about this for some numbers, Chad? In his past seven games, Jack Peterson is 12 for 27, 444 batting average in his last seven games, including three for five on Wednesday against the Indians. So multi-hit games for Jack Peterson. And it just seems like he's more comfortable once again. I, I don't know what happened. It was like a, a switch went off and he's now all of a sudden able to kind of see the ball better and he's hitting the ball. and He just feels comfortable at the plate. So it's at least a good sign to see because for a while, you know, the Cubs were afraid to, to put him in the lineup since he was just not performing. And it just seems like all of a sudden he's gotten back in the lineup. He's seeing something. And, uh, you know, it's a good feeling to have when you got a guy who's, you know, comfortable at the plate once again and, and able to see the field. So I, I like what I see and I hope that he's able to continue uh, to put the ball in play and, and go off uh, for the rest of the week and, and continue this surge that uh, I've so enjoyed watching uh, recently. What about you? Well, I mean, you know, we all expected him to struggle in the platoon system, right? I mean, that we saw that historically with the Dodgers, he, you know, he's, 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 you know, just better on one side of the plate. Um, but what, what I think we saw was a guy that, that was super hot and was pumped up and was feeling it and in, in his new surroundings and was told you're the man. And again, Mesa is, is not reality. Mesa's fantasy land. Um, and, and his stats showed that in the big booth as we talked about, but, but, what I think we can hang our hat on here is, is Jock was a little banged up and wasn't feeling right and wasn't a hundred percent. And so he had some time away and that time away obviously has allowed him to start getting more dialed in. And, uh, and again, if you look at this lineup from start to finish, if you look at the core guys on this lineup of which Jock is one of them, if they can start producing, if they can start scoring runs as you would expect them to be able to do, Jock's going to be a huge part of that. And this team is going to be able to score a lot of runs, but it has to be consistent. And that's what I need to see in the next week. More consistency from Jock and from everybody else. All right. So let's move to the fifth inning, Chad. And 
Well, we talked about Zach Davies and the struggles that he had had opening the season, and it was rough to the point where I had suggested uh, maybe it was time to consider Alec Mills in the rotation in pulling Zach Davies. But recently, Zach Davies has looked pretty solid. What do you attribute Zach Davies' uh, recent pitching control to, and uh, do you think he's back on track as we uh, get set here for the rest of the, the season and him uh, being a, a major part of the rotation. You know, there's a lot of people clamoring for the, you know, for, for the trade to be reversed so we can get that guy that was just a massive stud. No, I'm not talking about you, Darvish. I'm talking about Victor Carantini. He had a, a grand <laughs> slam on Wednesday to basically win the game one of their, uh, of their uh, doubleheader for the Padres. Look at Victor doing it up. But this was concerning. People were really concerned that Davies was going to be a bust the way he started. And again, he settled in. And what has been really incredible over um, his, his last three starts, I think, I believe it's little over 16 innings over his last three starts. Um, he has, uh, allowed just three runs and only of those only two of those were earned runs and so he's started to look good he started to settle in you have to realize this is a guy that is working with a new catcher this is a guy that's working with a new pitching coach this is a guy that's pitching in new surroundings I mean there's there has to be a ramp up hitter period so if he is settling in and he's finding his groove what better time because as this season started especially with, with Hendricks with him being, you know, you know, just not himself and 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 really struggling, um, you had to wonder if if this team was just going to implode just on the backs of its starting pitching. So the fact that Davies is now delivering, the fact that he is showing up as needed and giving the offense a, the, the you know a chance to win each game, at least the last three, so positive and and it's definitely um, what the trend that you want to see. He's not going to be perfect here on out, but he has shown us that he has the stuff that the front office thought they had when they made this trade. After, so, so how about this, Chad? He was, uh, he had posted a 9.47 ERA in his five starts in April. However, since then, this month of May, he's allowed just two earned runs in three starts in 16 and a third innings. So again, you know, he's a guy who, relies on control. He's a finesse pitcher. He's not somebody that's going to overpower you. And I, I've been impressed. I mean, this is the Zach Davies that the Cubs were hoping they would get a guy who's going to keep them in games consistent, not give up too many runs throw about, you know, five or six innings. And, and that's what he's doing so far. So I'm happy to see that the trend has changed. You know, it's, it's funny because kind of like with Jack Peterson, like all of a sudden a switch went off and, He's all of a sudden now able to find the strike zone again. So whatever it is, I'm happy with it. And uh, I just hope it continues and it continues in a, you know, the trend goes in that direction uh, upwards and, and not in the opposite direction of what we had seen previously in the month of April. Maybe he just needed to, to, to warm up. I don't know. But whatever the case, I'm, I'm glad it's starting to uh, trend upwards. Pitching at Wrigley Field when it's frigid like that, just sucks. And I, and I don't know how anybody really does it from, from the hitters that are always wearing the scuba gear. Cause they're so cold to the pitchers that are just trying to find the grip. So it's trending in the right direction. Let's move on to the sixth inning. And this is the fun inning topic. I threw this out your way and I'll set it up just to say this. We have all of these guys that uh, were a part of that 16, that, that 15, 16, you know, the run, the, all, all the playoff, you know, all but one year in the playoffs, except for um, since uh, 2015 winning the world series, you got all those guys, the, faces of the franchise all the guys that are on contract years and 
So you have a lot of guys to be excited about, but I love Cubs Twitter. And I got to tell you, the face of the Cubs for me on Cubs Twitter, the people, the, the person that is most exciting, the person who has the best PR team around him, I think, but he might just be brilliant on his own, is Andrew Chafin. Ryan, who do you think is the face of the Cubs right now? And how sad is it that the fan base is most excited about Andrew Chafin just because he looks like, you know, Rod Beck 2.0 and, and also like your hillbilly grandpa from uh, or, or, or uncle from uh, Kentucky? <laughs> well, I can understand why people like this guy. I mean, he's got a great personality. He's fun on Twitter. Like you said, he's got the big, you know, mustache. He's he's a dude who interacts with the fans on social media. He seems like he's very low maintenance and, you know, he's like one of those guys that you can get behind and feel like you can go to a bar and have a beer with him and be like, this is a great guy. Like I want to hang out with Andrew Chafin. So I get that why he's a fan favorite. So I'm going to say he's probably the fan favorite right now, but I can't sit here and say in good conscience that he's the face of the franchise, right? Like for me, Anthony Rizzo is still, the face of this franchise when it's all sudden. If I have to pick one guy, you know, because obviously you have Bryant, you got Baez, but Anthony Rizzo to me is still the face of the Chicago Cubs. But Andrew Chafin, I think to me, is kind of like, I guess for lack of a better term, like the mascot slash fan favorite of this team right now because of what he is from a personality standpoint, how he asks for people on Twitter if anyone can hook him up with a with a pickup truck or just like a beater that he can drive around the city. So he doesn't have to like buy a nice car. I mean, that's the guy you want to hang out with in Chicago and you know, Chicago it's people blue collar. Uh, people want to have a beer with just chill out in the bleachers with and Andrew Chafin like fits that description so much. So I can understand why you and maybe others feel that way, but I don't think I can go as far as say he's the face of the franchise. But I think you nailed it. I mean, he does look like Chicago. I mean, he, he does look like he, he belongs there. He does look like a guy that um, that, that you'd bump into an, on a bar in the, in the South Side. And he's from Ohio, so he's got the Midwestern roots. And you are right. You know, Rizzo is definitely the, the face of the Cubs. He is the modern day Mr. Cub, if you're if you're going to give somebody that moniker. Um, I, you know, what I like about Andrew is he is I it just it's interesting because this team is, has reached such heights. Um, and, and they don't have to get out there. You're not seeing um, the approachable nature of a lot of these players. So Andrew reaching out and connecting with people on Twitter and, and making himself available for, for media inquiries. I think he was just on Kaplan's podcast. We got to, we got to get Chafin. We got to figure out how to do that. Call, call your buddy, David Kaplan and get him on. But what I like about him is he's also delivering in the field. He is an outstanding resource. He had, he had two great innings in the Tuesday night hold or was that t- was that Wednesday? I have no idea. But he but he's he's his whip is under one nine. He's keeping batting averages um, under uh, one sixty. Uh, he's in eighteen innings. Um, his ERA is around three, which is actually you know better than league, league average right now. Only six walks to twenty strikeouts. So he's doing the job on the field, and he just looks good doing it. And I love I love the um, you know the obvious shirts that he's wearing. Uh, failed starter that all the bullpen guys were wearing. He has such great personality. Great interaction. He's a guy. He's a dude you want to have a beer with, like you said. So he may not be the face of this Cubs, but for a team that 
seems to be more and more kind of behind glass because of, 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 of how they're all getting ready to go into contract years. You don't know if they're going to be with us anymore. Um, he is the guy that's standing out for me here in early on 2021. It's time for the Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by our partners at Golden Rule Entertainment. Before he became President of the United States, Ronald Reagan used to call Cubs games on WHO radio in Des Moines, Iowa in the 1930s. Back then, a ticker would come in describing the game, and then Reagan would recreate the action from the studio. The former president would eventually leave his radio career for Hollywood to make movies, and then, of course, eventually have a successful career in politics. That's your Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by Golden Rule Entertainment, offering big league opportunities while owning a piece of a minor league-style ball club. To find out more information about how you can become an owner, go to www.goldenruleentertainment.com. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We have another great guest. Last week, we were able to talk to Jessica Kleinschmidt. We have now somebody from the other coast. She's a sports anchor on the SNY Network in New York. She covers the Mets, among other New York sports teams. You can find her on Twitter, at mmargot8, or you can find her on Instagram, at Michelle Margot. It is the aforementioned Michelle Margot joining us here. On the seventh inning stretch. Hi, Michelle. How you doing? Hi, Ryan. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, asking me to be a guest. It is. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I thought we could talk about some of the changes we're seeing here in baseball. So, Michelle, I'm I'm older than you. I consider myself maybe an old school, get off my lawn kind of guy at this <laughs> point in my life. You're, you know, you're the millennial generation. You're making changes. You're doing great things. So I thought we could maybe talk about some of these things that are happening in baseball and get your thoughts on what you think of these changes. And, and I can give you some of my thoughts and we can maybe discuss some of these things. So let's let's start here. We're seeing a lot of position players, Michelle, that are, are taking the, the hill every now and then in these blowout games for managers. Why do you think we're seeing this? Because when I look at it, I feel like I'm watching a little league game sometimes of where you would bring in your second baseman to face, you know, the next few hitters. What do you make of all these position players that we're seeing maybe throwing the ball more than we have seen in the past years? Um, I don't like it. And I, I know technically I'm a millennial, but I think I probably will find out, but agree with you on a lot of the um, old school, new school baseball um, ways of doing things. And I don't really like it. I think it's fun at first, um, but that's that's not what people pay to see. And um, what was it, Anthony Rizzo striking out Freddie Freeman? Is that what happened? That's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was entertaining and it was fun to watch. And I liked watching the highlight on Twitter. But um, if one of those teams were my teams, I would not have liked that at all. Because if you are the opposition, it's a slap in the face. And if you are the team that's doing it. It's a slap in the face. I mean, I understand um, there's some strategy behind it on certain occasions and, and big leads, et cetera, like that, or um, bullpens being worn out. But I prefer personally if teams don't make a habit of it. I totally agree. And what people sometimes forget is that game where Anthony Rizzo pitched to Freddie Freeman. 
the Cubs lost 10 to nothing in that game. So yes, there was nothing exciting about that game for sure. So uh, as we, uh, let me ask you this, seven inning double headers. We're seeing more and more of them. Uh, obviously it's becoming kind of the norm. Do you think that it is important that we go back to the nine inning double headers <clears throat> once next season begins? That's a, a great question. Um, I, so during spring training, I liked that the managers could agree beforehand, like, hey, we're going to do a seven-inning game here because it's spring training. Um, during the regular season, from a statistics standpoint, I don't really like it. Um, other than that, I'm pretty indifferent. I understand the concept behind it, but um, I, I'm really big on record books and the history of the game and the future of the history of the game, if that makes sense. Like right now we are making history with the game for the future. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, for sure. so I don't like, I don't like changing too much about the game. I understand like, you know, you need to change with the times and et cetera, but I personally am not a fan of completely changing things. Um, but that's more of a general rule for me um for this particular thing i'm I'm fairly indifferent yeah i i personally want to see the nine inning game i i I understood why they did it last year because you know they wanted to uh obviously minimize the contact for the players to be with each other but let's get back to the traditional nine inning game as far as i'm concerned how about the runner at second you may be surprised (laughs) by this michelle I actually love this. I really? love seeing the player because I feel like it gives some excitement to the game and it gives your team a chance to, to win the game immediately. I know that may sound crazy. I don't think a lot of people agree with me on that, but I actually love it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I feel the opposite. Um, I understand and comprehend the perspective of igniting, you know, excitement on offense, but I really, really dislike it. Um, I, I think that it changes the way pitchers pitch. I don't think it's fair at all to, to pitchers. Um, it's basically like starting even, essentially. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't like it. I also feel like I am, um, depending on the, I guess, baseball acumen of the average fan, but I definitely think of baseball as a pitcher sport rather than, um, you know, hitting home runs. And so I would much rather watch a pitcher's duel than – like watch all of these people hit these home runs. Like to me, that's bad baseball. I, I don't know why. I, maybe I just, I don't know. I see things from a pitcher's perspective more than, more than anything. And so my first reaction is like, that's not fair. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. And and maybe I like it right now because the Cubs just won, you know, two games with this process in place. And I'm, I'm kind of excited that they beat the Dodgers uh, the way that they <laughs> did. So maybe maybe that's the case. Um, the designated hitter is uh, was was a part of baseball last year with the shortened season, not here this year, but. It appears to be only a matter of time before the designated hitter becomes a part of the National League. I'm a National League guy. Uh, Michelle, you've covered both the National League and the American League. Do you want to see the DH and the NL, or should we just leave it the traditional way where the pitcher gets to hit? Yeah, it definitely does seem like the trend is moving in that direction where the universal designated hitter is going to be a thing. Um, I, Like I said before, I'm, I'm old school, which is hilarious because I'm really quite young in comparison to the game. Um, but I like the differentiation between the leagues. Um, but then again, I cover 
the Mets in the National League East where DeGrom is hitting 462 this season. So <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I like the strategy behind it. And um, will I miss it once it's gone? Probably not. Like pitchers hitting. Um, but if I had my way, I would say keep pitchers hitting. We're talking with Michelle Margot of SNY Network in New York. You can find her on Twitter, mmargot8, or on Instagram, Michelle Margot. So, Michelle, what is one thing you miss from how the game maybe used to be played that's changed? For me, it's it's the complete game. It's pitchers going further than six, seven, eight innings. You know, I, I grew up, I'm, I'm an 80s child, so, like, watching – pitchers from the 80s or even the 90s for that matter you know guys throwing 15 complete games was not unheard of what's something you maybe miss from when you've been covering the game um that you've seen trending in a different direction that you wish we could see a little bit more of oh it's very interesting that you say that and maybe it might be short-sighted of me but I didn't even think of that um as something (laughs) just because I think the, when I started really watching baseball religiously, it wasn't that way. So I, I don't really know any better other than what I've seen on paper. Um, I miss small ball. I miss singles. I miss hitters being patient um, right now. And it seems, again, it's going to be going that direction is, is all strikeouts and home runs. And I don't like that. And it feels like the more pop you have, the more valuable the player is and I think it's super underrated to have someone who can get on base without hitting a home run yeah yeah that well that's a good one too for sure I I totally agree with you on that absolutely do so playoff expansion was something that we saw last year with the shortened season we're still back to the 10 teams is that the right amount I personally think it is uh would you like to see more teams in the playoffs or are we at a good amount right now where we should um, I usually don't cover teams that make the playoffs. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully this year the Mets will. I've I've bounced around a little bit, and um, it seems that I, I feel don't like know they make the playoffs once you leave. They make the playoffs once you leave. It seems like yeah, but that's also a spurious relationship and regression <laughs> mean because I feel like if you covered all the teams at some point, one of them is going to make it. But um, I. I get the NBA way of doing things. Um, I think it takes the rarity of making the postseason out of it. And baseball's a 162 game season. You know, a lot happens um, during a baseball season, and teams are not the same team in April as they are in October. And um, I don't know. I don't know. Does that make sense? I, I feel like, am I making sense when I'm saying that? The, like the team in April is not the same team in October because when you make the team or when you make the playoffs expanded, then the teams that will make the playoffs aren't necessarily the most well-rounded or deep organizations. No, that's, that's totally fair. And I think you're, you're potentially seeing teams that are under 500 making the playoffs. And I don't think that's appropriate. I don't want to see that personally. Yeah. I think it's different um, because to baseball, you're talking about, as you said, 162 games compared to 82 games in the NBA or, you know, the NHL. So I, I think it, it makes more sense to have less teams in baseball because the regular season should mean more with that being said. So speaking of 162 games, Michelle, um, do you think that we will see a day in the near future where they decide to maybe cut down 
the number of games from 162 back to 154 or, or something else for that matter? Where, where do you think that's going? I hope they don't, but what, where do you think that's uh, yeah. going? I hope not too. And again, this is one of those things where I feel like, you know, if it were to change, I would be indifferent and I wouldn't really notice it and we would just adapt. Um, but baseball season is my favorite time of year. So why would I want to cut that shorter? Um, you know, I, I understand. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes teams barely make the playoffs and they're half game back or half game ahead. And so again, it changes the benchmark um, and back to the record books and history. It changes history. If you, I, that's why I think there's an asterisk next to all of 2020 for the team. You know, no, no offense to the Dodgers, obviously they're very talented and no offense to the Rays because they're very talented. But to me, there's a little bit of an asterisk on that season because they made it to the postseason not playing 162 games. And that's part of winning is, okay, you know, you have 16 guys on the injured list and you have to fill those positions with 16 more. And it's the depth of the organization, not just the talent that is on the starters on the field. And our thanks to Michelle Margot from the SNY Network. Really enjoyed catching up with her. And uh, Chad, little side note, we spoke, and I, and this will be in the full interview when we release it. Um, we talked about when she actually met us face-to-face, for the people that don't know, um, Chad and I and a few other friends were at a Padres game several years ago. I tweeted at Michelle, asked her if she could stop by and visit with us. She responded. And she came to the seats that we were sitting in. We had great seats behind home plate, courtesy of Chad. And uh, she hung out with us for like, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes. And she didn't know us from Adam. And I didn't mention it at all when I interviewed her. And I kind of was going to bring it up as I did in a question. And she goes, oh, no, I know where you're going with this. And I said, you do? And she goes, yeah, I remember you guys. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So that was kind of cool. So she is uh, really awesome, really appreciated her time. And uh, it was really cool that she remembered us as well. So and I really enjoyed her insight. Too. Fun so energy. That was a lot yeah, of fun. really great energy. Uh, loved it. And uh, um, we've got, yeah, just great, uh, great guests lined up. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm excited to share that uh, um, we've got Alex Cohen, the, uh, the voice of the Iowa Cubs coming up next week. He has had a, a pretty eventful last couple of weeks. He's now um, broadcasting games on the Marquee Network. They're showing the AAA games, and he just recently called a no-hitter. We'll dive into that and some other things. So some great guests. And then we also have uh, Scott Simon coming up, who is uh, uh, does does stories for CBS Sunday Morning and then also for NPR's uh, Weekend Edition. So we've got, once again, no fan-based Cubs podcast gets better guests. You know, that that is phenomenal. I am so excited about Scott Simon. That is a lot of fun. And Alex Cohen, great guy, uh, friend of the program, has been out with us in the past, so I'm glad we're going to be able to reconnect with him as well. And speaking of connecting, you can find Chad and I on social media. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon, so please check us out there. We're also on Facebook with the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page, so feel free to join in on the conversation there. And we also want to talk to you guys about our new webcast that we do on Monday. It is separate from our podcast. We call it the Friendly Confines Extra Inning Show. It's basically other topics that Chad and I talk about in relation to the podcast. But it's just an opportunity to join us via video with the listeners or the viewers and uh, just get your thoughts in just a little 30, 40 minute show, Chad and I do, to kind of talk about the week that the Cubs had and uh, we kind of recap our last podcast and then preview our upcoming podcast. So be sure to check us out there. And that is a part of the bar room network. So um, 
feel free to find us um, on all of those avenues as uh, we also have a website as well that you can find the podcast as well, Chad. Yeah, we're uh, at theconfines.com. You can sign up for our, uh, we'll call it just the newsletter right now, but it'll let you know when new stuff hits. Um, and regarding the web web show, we're trying to slot it. I think we're going to slot in at, at, uh, at 10 Central on Monday nights. Um, we're kind of working through how the schedule is going to go, but we have highlight reels. We're going to um, show, uh, we're going to uh, play uh, sound clips from uh, recent and upcoming guests. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And you can also see what my closet looks like. And you can see what Ryan's uh, uh, his wife's decorating from the container store looks like. Lots of container stores. All true. Household, which I think is fantastic. But yeah, go to the confines, scroll to the very bottom and sign up and you'll get an email every time new content drops. Good stuff as we start the eighth inning. Yeah. So I guess I'll do that. Uh, I will say this, um, so much great stuff came out of the Margot interview, so much. And she talked about, you know, what she missed, what what she missed from, you know, and, and it's a little bit of like old man yells at clouds sometimes when we have these conversations, like back in the good old days, you know, things were like this. It's a little like that. I'm going to be very honest as I share this, uh, but she shared some great things that she missed back from the day. And, and Rhino, I'll ask you, what do you miss from that, that you're not seeing in today's game? Yeah. So the one thing that I really feel like, and, you know, I mentioned this in the interview is that I really miss seeing pitchers throw complete games. You know, I mean, now we're in an age where if a pitcher has five complete games in a season, and that's a lot, I feel like that to me is huge uh, in today's game. You know, that's like the league leading, you know, complete game. Uh, for for somebody who's a pitcher back in the day Chad you and I are you know products of the 80s Um, we would see guys throw 15 complete games in a season and that's even nowhere close to what we saw in the 70s and the 60s when you and I were not even alive back then and, and were really following baseball in that era so we didn't see it when guys would throw 30 complete games or you know just 40 complete games potentially so I just missed that you know we see pitchers on these pitch counts now we don't see them throw more than six, seven innings. And if they're like really rolling, um, you know, then they may throw a complete game, but it's not what it used to be. So I miss that. And I miss the, you know, pitchers that would throw almost 260, 270 innings, you know, not since Randy Johnson, have we seen a guy even throw close to 275 innings in a season. So those are the things I miss because I really enjoy seeing a pitcher finish what they start. And it also helps because, you know, we talk about time in baseball, how these games have dragged on. Well, that's because we've had 14 pitching changes in a game, and it just holds things up. Whereas guys, when they would throw a complete game, it was like, he's throwing a complete game. You don't need to, like, take breaks or, you know, throw and change up pitchers and go to the pen. So, for me, that is what I miss the most. What about yourself? Interesting, not rebuttal, but just to share, in 1980, about 20% of uh, the pitchers uh, through a complete game in 1992, about 10%. And uh, basically over the, you know, it's, it's trending. It's about uh, one tenth of a percent. Uh, it happens. So it's very rare. Um, and in some of those cases you're going to see uh, like the, uh, the, the, the Hendricks situation where it's a seven inning uh, complete game. So that's definitely something that doesn't happen anymore. You know what I miss Ryan? I miss a lot, but I, I really miss batting, batted balls in play. I miss hits. I miss the batting average. You know, yeah. um, I was saying before, I was actually saying on the webcast on, on, uh, on Monday, 
is it's such an interesting trend that, you know, we were down on Javi because he's batting, you know, around 220 or 230. The league average right now, as we record this, is 234. 234 is the league. I mean, that is horrible. That's they used to say, like, you know, if you if you if you fail, you know, one out of three times, you're a Hall of Famer, right? Because you're batting 300 or 333. That's a Hall of Fame numbers. Well, now I don't, I don't know when we're going to see those numbers consistently again, because most of the batting averages are um, it's just not for contact anymore. It's a lot of uh, long outs because of the, the launch angle. It's a lot of let's put the shift into that as well. Defensive things have happened. But 234, the Cubs right now are below that. They're at 227. So if you think the Cubs are struggling, they are. I can go back and, and uh, you know, league averages were, you know, you know, 250 and 270, you know, as as uh, as recent as is uh, 2008 and uh, and and 2007. So it has had a drastic churn. Uh, churn. I think analytics is, has a big role in it. But the good old days of generating runs and being happy with like move the guy over and get one run in and that's a success. Those days are over. People want to get the guys on the base and have a big blast and uh, and and just try to inundate people with a couple home runs and win, you know, five to four. Um, I miss the ball hit into play and I will share. And that's why major league baseball needs to look at where people are positioned in the shift. That's why people need to, to look at it uh, at just the things that are inhibiting offense right now. It is not exciting when the ball is not in play and much like going to an NFL game, most of an NFL game when you're there is sitting around and waiting and baseball is becoming very much like the NFL where not a lot is happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, something big happens and then you sit back down on your hands. And so if they want to excite the next generation, if they want to get things moving, then I think you just need to see more balls put into play, higher batting averages. And I don't know if you raise the mound like they did back in the, in the middle of the last century because um, uh, pitchers are getting too dominant like they are now, or you get a, get a hold of the spin rate situation and the substances pitchers are using. I don't know what the solution is, but what's happening right now is trending very much in the yeah. wrong direction. All right, so let's finish up now in the ninth inning, Chad. And uh, we are going to the National Enquirer portion of our show. Uh, Big news in the city of Chicago, especially if you are following the uh, dating life of David Ross. But apparently the pandemic has been good to Rossi. He has a new girlfriend, Tori DeVito, the actress who is on the TV show Chicago Med. Uh, You know, there's the Chicago... PD, there's the Chicago Fire and the Chicago Med shows that uh, all these uh, are on NBC. And apparently, Rossi and Tori are very much an item. In fact, uh, the actress revealed that she, quote, loves him madly. She wrote that on Instagram and she refers to him as her boyfriend as she was in Cincinnati um, and she came to the game. Um, Chad, what are your thoughts on? David Ross finding new love and uh, having a new girlfriend who is very much a public figure and a quote unquote celebrity. Uh, this is the new power couple in Chicago, isn't it? I um, I'm embarrassed. This isn't any, but it's the ninth inning. We can do whatever we want. And if you're with us still as a listener, you, you're with us. This is where you want to be. And you came here for the David Ross story. Cause you knew we were going to talk about it. I love it. I, I, I mentioned on, on the, um, on our studio show on Monday, it's got to be so hard for 
marriages in major league baseball because of all the time away and it, it's different for new marriages and, and you're finding your way but the old marriages that the ones that have been around for a while which ross had before this situation um you get into that groove and you, you just become a, a, a you know a bit of a widow during the season and i just wonder you know if she was expecting him to come home and let her live her life and be together but he said nope i'm going to be a broadcaster and now nope i'm going to go back on the road with the team and he's found somebody that it is exciting and somebody is making time for him and and uh, i don't want to put anything on 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 uh, ross's uh, um marriage that uh, that ended a divorce because marriage is hard Everybody out there that's married knows it's very hard. I'm excited for him, happy for him. I'm just wondering now that we've opened this can of worms, um, are, you know, should we go back and do a, a, a best of during his Dancing in the Star, Dancing with the Stars? Uh, should, you know, should we do a recap on Bachelor, even though it's not related to the Cubs? But I'm kind of excited. Like this is the tabloid inning. What's your take? Because I know you are all over Us Weekly and People Magazine. I am. I mean, I've been reading all these, you know, like gossip columns and trying to find out the latest. I mean, look, Rossi's a great guy. He's got a great personality. People love him. Who wouldn't adore this guy? And Tori DeVito, very pretty. I don't know her very well. I mean, again, I know she's an actress on this television show. I've never really watched the show. I have to be honest about that. And I've never really seen her in anything. Um, So I'm not familiar with her. But She's a very attractive woman, uh, obviously, is, you know, somebody that's in the public eye. But, you know, uh, Chad, Chicago is not known for, like, having a lot of celebrities. We kind of rely on our athletes to be our, you know, more or less celebrities. So this is kind of a big deal in the city. You know, this isn't L.A. I mean, we or New York like this is kind of the as I said, they're the big power couple and you know, everyone's kind of going to be like wondering, well, how are they doing? And, you know, seeing them out together. And is the paparazzi going to be taking photos of Rossi on off days with his, with his girlfriend? I just hope that a happy Rossi leads to a happy clubhouse. Yeah. And ultimately that leads to more victories because Rossi's attitude is better and that the Cubs attitude's better. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm sure he's going to get ribbing in the clubhouse from the guys. Uh, obviously, when you're dating somebody who's, you know, in the public eye like Tori DeVito is. Um, but at the end of the day, as you said, I'm happy for him. Hey, more power to him. Uh, we should all find love and, and be happy. And uh, I'm glad that he's been able to do that once again after you, uh, getting divorced. You know what I loved? You described Andrew Chafin and David Ross in this podcast, both as guys with great personalities so that's awesome (laughs) that's amazing and you are right chicago is a different animal i mean this is hardly a rod and j-lo which is no more or 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 derek jeter and his gift bag that we give out um that's right right. we're in a much different situation with the tabloids but good on rossi and you're right if it translates to more wins that's a good thing that's absolutely true so that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the friendly confines, our thanks once again to Marcel Margot of the SNY Network. For Chad, I am Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.